curious, competitive, compassionate. Salespeople are drawn to their careers in much the same way musicians are drawn to music. Once you've learned the language of sales, the beauty is in your ability to personally interpret what you've learned to suit your personality, your interest, and your skill. My name is Roger Burnett, and this is the So You're In Sales podcast, where we consider ways to grow as people as we advance in our careers and learn firsthand from those ahead of us on the path to accelerate our journey. I'm lucky to get to talk every two weeks with entrepreneurs, business owners, thought leaders, authors, and people of all walks of life, each with a unique story to share and a look at their lessons along the way. Prepare to be educated, informed, entertained, and inspired. This is the So You're In Sales Podcast. The So You're In Sales Podcast is sponsored by Social Good Promotions. Social Good Promotions was founded on the premise that any business can stand out from their competition when they are doing things they really believe in. True success these days is measured by the ways your employees feel about working for you and the ways your business is making the community a better place. Ultimately, it's about the ways you and your business will be remembered. If you're looking to grow your sales revenue while activating social good at the same time, we'll be your favorite marketing partner ever. Book a meeting with us at socialgoodpromotions.com, follow us on Instagram at sogoodpromo, and let's get connected. We've done great work using our unique and effective strategy. Let us show you how. Now, on with the show. Atwater Brewing Company is a genuine reflection of the city it calls home. Detroit has more than one chapter with respect to alcohol consumption. From our defiance of prohibition rules in the 1920s, Detroit's blue-collar society embraced that spirit of defiance, with that symbol of defiance often taking the shape of a pint or highball glass. I had a really good fortune to sit down with Michael Walsh, who's the general manager at Atwater Brewing, and we had an opportunity to discuss what it means to be a steward of one of the most iconic Detroit brands, what it means to try to survive in the midst of a pandemic when the state will not allow you to open and collect revenues in the manner in which you have become accustomed to doing. And then we take a look at what the future holds for the brand and what they were able to accomplish in the time that they were reimagining what their future might look like. I thought it was an incredible, really insightful discussion, and I think that you're going to get a tremendous amount of value out of this. Give it a listen. We are live here at the Tap House in Detroit, and this is only the second live interview I've ever done. I think this is maybe the first live interview I've ever done, so uh, definitely a win for me, and it's, it's our honor to have you here in the Tap House, and um, we arranged COVID to happen so that we could be here intimately, just you and I. Uh, yeah, you know, um, but no, it's really a pleasure, and uh, hospitality isn't dead for us, and just the face-to-face interactions are genuinely and truly something we miss. And so this means a lot. Doing this in person and not over a Zoom or over a call, it means a lot. And I'm glad you're having a beer. You know it, man. <laughs> uh, James Regato uh, is, a, is chef at Mabel Gray. One of the best things I've ever heard somebody say, he said to me on the show, he said, hospitality is a gift and we encourage our staff to give it away every shift. 
I think that's a uh, Picasso quote that he has coined his own, <laughs> but uh, something like that. Uh, it's, it's a beautiful sentiment, and um, COVID has created a reset for most of our businesses, and one of the silver linings is we're now surrounded with people that genuinely want to be here, as opposed to people that have to be here to make ends meet. It's now people that are choosing to be here over not. And uh, we have the creme de la creme, you know, on our staff right now, which is fantastic. Yeah, so the perfect segue. Thank you for that. So, you. Uh, you know, Atwater being the brand that it is with the history that it's had with the icon iconography of its logo. And, you know, the Detroit brewing scene really wasn't a thing when this place got started. Right. And so things have kind of had a way of enveloping around you in that process, right? So what do you think is specific to the Atwater brand? I think that Atwater really has done a tremendous job of capturing the history and the roots of brewing and distilling and even to say bootlegging <laughs> and the speakeasy. I mean, where we are, the footprint of this brewery is in a historical region in Detroit for those things that took place 100 years ago. You know, here we are back in the roaring 20s. Who's to say what's going to happen? Um, <laughs> 100 years later, Exactly, right? 100 years later. But, you know, 100 years ago, going at water in this region meant coming to this part of Detroit to visit a speakeasy right over here on Atwater Street. So our name really is a callback to history, and it's a reminder of how many people worked hard and invested their grit and their know-how into this industry that has developed in so many broad ways. And, uh, you know, we're, we're really blessed with everything we have that, that those did before us yeah. uh, to pave the way. And, uh, you know, it's really cool to sit in our Stroh's dining room and look around at these pictures that uh, pay respect to generations of, of brewers yeah. that, uh, you know, made our livelihoods today possible. Yeah, and I guess I, I was re I'm remiss. I'll, I'll restate what I said just for contextual clarity. So sure. Stroh Brewing Company was in Detroit for... An extraordinarily long time. So we as a city have a history Absolutely. of producing quality product and understanding what it means. And really, you know, when you when you work in the factory, man, five o'clock, man, it was time to crack a beer. You know, and, and anybody who tells you otherwise is probably not from a family that had somebody who worked in the factory, right? I, I guess that's why our production facility closes at five. <laughs> right? Because right? it's time. It's time. It's time. Absolutely. Well, and also for those of you who are not from Detroit, what Mike is talking about is we are but mere blocks from the Detroit River and there was, during Prohibition, a pretty sizable smuggling operation that Absolutely. happened back, <laughs> uh, back and forth to Canada. I mean, the Detroit River and, and, and this physical area and region was um, just a hospitable condition to doing things that weren't supposed to be done. <laughs> and uh, so now we, we, uh, we operate legally, of course, uh, but that doesn't mean that those things aren't a part of this city's kind of grit and, DNA, and sure. the DNA perfect word for it yeah. and you know when I hear our founder and, and president Mark talk about what Atwater means it's really about capturing the essence of the Detroiter and all of that background and history and 
you know, it's, it's a hardworking beer for a hardworking Detroiter. I mean, if you say you're from Detroit, uh, there's kind of something that's carried with that. Yeah. And uh, that's what we want our beer to taste like. Yeah, that's awesome. That's the best way to put it. It's the spirit of where we live in a can in a lot Absolutely. of ways, right? Which is awesome. Well, uh, hospitality and food and beverage are two of social good promotions, key vertical markets. So we are acutely aware of some of the challenges that our customers and prospects have been facing with everything that's gone on for the last year. And you guys obviously are no different when it comes to that. But now that we're a couple weeks into, we're sort of open again, we're kind of maybe allowed to come back inside under certain conditions. What's this whole process taught you guys? Uh, it's taught me very specifically, uh, being the position that I am, that Reevaluating what's worked for as long as it has is a good thing. Uh, and sadly, many of the systems that we've become accustomed to are to some extent broken. Hmm. The labor model, the food cost model, the business models, um, I mean, on paper they look great, but in practice and in actuality when you're struggling to bring staff in and you're struggling to bring guests in, Abiding by numbers that worked under very different conditions two years ago is a very uphill battle today. And so we've really tried to refocus and restructure what quote-unquote works, what that means to us, and, and redefining success and redefining um, just some of our very short-term goals. Um, it can't be a one-man or a two-man show forever, but for many of these businesses that are unfortunately kind of forced to limp open with uh, capacity requirements or restrictions and the inability to bring in proper staffing to execute a safe environment, it's a struggle. Mm -hmm. So redefining what all those mean to us, um, it's not a bad thing. It's just something we're forced to do right now. Yeah. Uh, and, and doing all of that while not giving up the integrity of hospitality sure. is kind of at its core. Sure. Is there a particularly poignant example from that period that you can point to and say for case in point? You know, there's never been actually a, a brighter moment in my professional career in, in food, beverage, hospitality as during this pandemic uh, and I look back to March, April, and May of 2020 when the shutdown was in its infancy and fear was at its height and the unknowns were everywhere and those that could be a part of Atwater that were choosing to still be a part of Atwater, namely in our production facility, and these are the guys working uh, the, the, the bottling, the canning, and the hand sanitizer Watching all that they did in very just questionable, questionable conditions, not our conditions, but just COVID in the world, what, what the hell's going on, seeing their willingness to contribute to, to our company and our brand was uh, one of the highlights of my career. I mean, to say it made my heart smile uh, and, and to be a part of that. Um, you know, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back. I'm trying to acknowledge the team, but... I was here with them day in and day out making sure that the, the public had hand sanitizer. You know, right. that was really cool. And although it wasn't your typical beer and food service, 
that's what hospitality had to pivot to for us. Right. And we kept our doors open and that's what we were providing. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I was going to bring that up. So a closed tap room means no opportunity for revenue. And when you have no opportunity for revenue, you have to try to figure out like, what can we possibly sell in this moment that someone would actually spend money with us? Because what you and I know, what the world showed us is that in crisis, I only will spend money with the people who I trust the most. Absolutely. And so by creating an opportunity to have built a trust-based relationship with both your employees and your patrons, what you really did is you gave yourself that chance when you found hand sanitizer. Absolutely. So, So talk to me about that whole thing and like, how did that all play out? Well, I recall it was a couple days post-announcement of the initial shutdown uh, right around St. Patrick's Day. And uh, Mark, who is uh, the head of the business here, and I were just talking, and I think it was two or three days had passed. And I don't remember where the concept came from, whether I mentioned it to him or he mentioned it to me. But one of us had seen that another distillery had made this pivot and I think it was somewhere you know nationally not close to us and we weren't even really sure if that was like a viable thing at the time and God bless Mark his mind is like a series of fast moving gears and it was like maybe 12 hours later he told me my job was saved he told me the production team like so many components were going to be able to exist because he was going all in on this and you know what a move it was because you know if I'm not mistaken I think we were first if not first to market in Metro Detroit with a hand sanitizer alternative when globally shortage back order nobody had anything so um and and that that sustained our business for several months um and you know just very thankful for all that (laughs) and Nothing for nothing. Lots of people then jumped in the boat, right? Absolutely. Uh, Not just from a work perspective, but for guests and clientele. I mean, just the amount we donated and created goodwill, uh, seeing that our police departments locally uh, across the state. I mean, we had people driving from up north, from the UP, uh, fire departments and the local area hospitals. I mean, and, and we do everything by hand here. We weren't able to convert any of, like, the brewing equipment or can- canning or bottling. So when you're talking about filling four-ounce bottles, that's by hand. We, we rigged little machines to basically take a, a large tub and trickle into small bottles. And it was still a very painstaking hands-on process that required a lot of man hours and labor. Um, and just in through that process, we created new customers and people that just, we, we can't wait to come see you and visit when you reopen. And uh, certainly a ton of goodwill came from it. It was really fun to watch the different municipalities and their first responder departments call you guys out. And like, big shout out to Atwater for coming through for us. And, you know, that stuff like that in that moment. What do they say? You give with no expectation of receiving anything in return. Mm-hmm. But in that moment, the gratification was what you got in return in seeing absolutely. that what you were doing was making an absolute difference in the community. And uh, it, it was, again, just in terms of my role with that, it was very fulfilling because I was the, the order taker and like the, the executor, if you will, 
so I was talking to most of these individuals, whether it was on the phone or text message. Um, we were, you know, in terms of the front of the house here, it was a one-man show. That was me. So every time our phone rang or any time somebody came into the tap house, for the most part, uh, it was wild and crazy. And so, yeah, that, that gratification, I mean, it felt nice. It was, I, w I knew I was contributing to something much, much bigger than what I normally contribute to in the field of hospitality business. Which goes back to the roots of Atwater and kind of what that all was about and the fact that you guys made most of that product by hand. That's how you guys are built as a brand is to handcraft things. Absolutely. So. I mean, even when it comes down to like our packaging, like there's guys in the back gluing boxes, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's all done by hand. Yes, there's some conveyors and there's some machines that do some things for us, but um, for the size and the amount of juice we produce, if you will, uh, it's still a very, you know, labor intensive, labor of love and, and requires, you know, the, the amazing team of people that we have. Yeah, for sure. And people who are committed to the craft have a tendency to want to put more effort into sure. yeah. the finished products. So if you have a culture that's built on craft, you have a tendency to have people who believe in that kind of stuff gravitate to you. So it's nice to see that all of that happens. Did, did, you, did you feel disconnected from your patrons or did you feel like you managed to continue to maintain a relationship through this whole thing? Actually, uh, that's a really interesting question. Uh, I grew up in the industry working behind the counter, whether it's retail or bar. Um, and the, the, the bartender's relationship with the guest is a, is a very special thing. And I actually got to reconnect with that by working the counter here at Atwater and answering the phones more and dealing with the day-to-day -day guest needs. Um, it's, again, one of those experiences that, although COVID has and continues to be a tremendous challenge, I really treasure the ability to have gotten back to my roots and, um, you know... Uh, just for the record, I am the general manager here, and, and we're not always as involved in line-level duties. Uh, there's certain things that we do that our staff can help with and other things that consume more of our time, and we just don't always get to work with our guests as often as we'd like, and I certainly miss that. But this past year has been a wonderful opportunity to reconnect, and I'm very grateful for it. We spent a lot of time in the early stages of Shelter in Place talking to people about the focus needed to be on humanity. And you don't know what someone's going through when you're encountering them in that moment, even more so than just when things are kind of how they had traditionally been. So by knowing that you had people literally coming here for a very specific reason for the most part, it wasn't like people were just showing up to get sloshed. It was like hey, we want to support you and keep you in business. Hey, you have a product that we are really in need of. I mean, there was all of these things that sort of gave you reasons and opportunities to maybe not even just maintain a relationship, but maybe even strengthen and solidify them in that whole process. And hopefully we never deal with a pandemic to the scale that we did. But again, to my point, I'll always be thankful that it drove people here for that reason. And I was... Uh, I was at, at, on the front lines, yeah. you know, uh, in an opportunity to, to be there, to be present. Totally. All right. So as we try to 
turn the page on this whole thing. Okay. <laughs> However that looks right How now. How many pages can we turn at once? <laughs> All right. As we look towards the rest of the year, you know, so this is February. Uh, spring's coming. Vaccines are happening. Changes are afoot. Give us your viewpoint on both kind of the short term here. You know, what do you, what do you see in the interim? And then... What, do you, what is Atwater looking at for the rest of 2021 to, uh, to look back on the year and say, okay, good job? Sure. I'm still witnessing a lot of hesitation towards indoor dining. Um, I think that if there were no indoor restrictions, we, we would not be at full capacity. Uh, I just don't know that the general public is all there, nor that they should be. I'm not encouraging that we shouldn't have these restrictions. Um, so... To my point, I think that outdoor space is going to be as important, if not more important, than it was last year, uh, only because people are ready to come out in some way. They may just not be ready to commit to the inside the mm -hmm. four walls um, style of, of dining. So we're looking at some options here. We have a rooftop patio that's very, very popular. Uh, we've typically winterized that every year, and <laughs> December and January, we'd have people on a regular basis asking, is your patio open? I mean, I wish it was open. Um, <laughs> there's no plumbing. <laughs> Everything's turned off. I mean, it, but, but that's just, people are, they just want to be outside. So we're working with a pretty prominent landscape company, and we're um, starting a design process for what will likely be a three- or four-year development of the lot behind our brewery. Oh, nice. And, you know, uh, I think we all have kind of different visions of what that space could be, and that's why we're letting some professionals help guide us. Um, but I see an outdoor wedding venue where people have the ability to congregate with maybe two to 300. Uh, that would... Uh, greatly trump anything we're doing inside our tap house right now but also that space could be um, partitioned into bonfire pits with horseshoes or bag toss or just sort of like outdoor uh, community fun games um, the the beach that they've set up a couple blocks from us has really shown that people want to go out and do act outdoor activities so uh, we're so close. Uh, we've got the Outdoor Recreation Center. We've got Aretha Franklin Park. There, there's just a lot of destinations very close to us. The Riverwalk. So there's tons of outdoor traffic. And so I think activating the outdoor spaces in ways that we hadn't planned on prior to all this is really going to be the key to un unlocking revenue in mm -hmm. 21 and 22. Um, unlocking... Um, to-go sales, unlocking, touchless, just all these hot topics. But, but really, I think we're, we're putting most of our chips in, in outdoor for this coming year. I don't see why you wouldn't. Yep, That's absolutely. I wonder if elbow to elbow, hundreds of people in a closed facility will ever, in pockets there will be, but... We never even had to think about that before. It was never even something that we even gave any consideration to when we were doing anything. And now it's gone from we don't even think about it to it's the first thing it's we think about. top of mind now. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of the first things we consider. How close am I to this person? How much space do I have? Um, 
I couldn't imagine. I saw a friend post online. He went to the Red Wings game, and they, they allowed 500 people, and it was like looking at the arena, this huge, beautiful arena, and like there's two people there and two people there. It just it's it's wild. I, I, I think there has to be a, a happy medium, but yeah, I think you're right. I think um, you know armpits to elbows, as they say, is probably not in our immediate future. Agreed. Agreed. And, Indoors. And I spend a lot of time in Bel Air. Which uh, Shorts is up there. Yep. And Shorts, what they did is they created, uh, right across the street from the tap house, was a vacant lot. I saw this online. So they took three, they stacked kegs, three tall, and closed in the area and then made individual compartment areas that only can be um, home to six people at a time Mm -hmm. with fire pits. Yep. It was a brilliant idea. And we were actually... um, they say what imitation is a sincerest form of flattery. We, we were looking into setting up something like that here because we have a large parking lot as well. And with no indoor dining at the time, it was generally mostly vacant. And while we were kind of carving the process out, they reopened indoor dining. So it just sort of seemed like more effort into something that probably wouldn't have the payouts. But if we'd had that idea or seen that idea in November or December, it uh, would have been a very different story. No doubt, no doubt. And um, before we wrap up, I know there's 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 some excitement and some enthusiasm here in the tap house for a pending change that I'm going to let you hint at. Sure, but we're not we're not going to give away too much of it. But we're going to hint at what something might be coming down the road here. We are looking at just uh, you know our logo, our Atwater Brewery, hardworking Detroiter, raising the beer in the hard hat. You know that is our logo. It's not going anywhere, but. Our packaging is underway in a process of rebranding, and um, we will look back with hindsight saying we wish that could have gone a little bit quicker, Um, but with all the constraints and all the difficulties imposed by COVID and personnel and just every process is taking a little bit longer, um, we're not out of the woods yet, but... um, uh, they're ready to be canned, I think, like today or in the next couple days. Some of our new packaging designs and the whole line top to bottom is um, just in that process. So some very iconic things about Atwater, that logo, the white stripe on the packaging, those will all be very evident. But some of your um, what you're used to seeing on the packaging is going to be you know, evolving in a fun and exciting and uh, very interesting way. Super exciting. I'm, I'm not going to admit that I saw anything that I can be excited <laughs> about, but uh, I'm, I, it's going to be met with a lot of enthusiasm, I think, um, seeing w- what you guys have done. So, Michael, I can't thank you enough. Oh, man. I really pleasure. appreciate you doing this, and um, we look forward to getting back to what we all enjoy doing, which is tipping a pint with our friends and celebrating all things Detroit. So I appreciate you coming on, man. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a privilege. Appreciate you. Wow, wow, and wow again. I don't often get to do in-person interviews and have my guests sit directly across from me. And I really believe that our opportunity to do that today really lent itself to an additional layer of authenticity that maybe gets lost when you can't be physically in one another's presence. So I am incredibly grateful to Mike for having that conversation with me. You know, just some of the things that he said, if you didn't already know that brand, I think you have a much better understanding of 
what it is that you would be dealing with if you were to embrace um, them as a brewer, right? I mean, he basically said that they were able to keep the people who genuinely cared about their brand. And those people stepped up and made contributions and put their brains to solving problems in ways that, frankly, you could tell that Michael had not anticipated that that was what was going to occur. And when you're in a crisis moment like that, you always want to believe that the people that you work with would do that. But until it happens, you have no way of knowing. And so having him have the opportunity to reflect back on that and really think about what that meant to him, I don't know if you could tell, but what I obviously heard from him was a lot of passion and a lot of humility about the fact that that had happened. And then you couple that with his clear sense of responsibility about what it means to be one of the stewards of one of the iconic brands when it comes to Detroit Brewers. You know, I, I just think that he's really got it nailed when it comes to being a representative and an ambassador for what it means to be a brewer from the city of Detroit. And the way that they were able to quickly move to hand sanitizer is a story that we've heard in other places, but for, to know that because they were able to make contributions to first responders and have people driving from every corner of the state to come get their product because they were able to get it out to market so quickly is just a testament to wanting to do something and have it be important and have it be a reflection of what it means to be a Detroiter. So, you know, and then to hear that it reconnected him to be able to have the opportunity to serve people directly because the GM typically doesn't be able, doesn't uh, have the opportunity to do that. And then we even managed squeeze in a shouts, a shorts brewing company shout out. So I hope that you enjoyed that as much as I did. If you get a chance to visit Atwater, there's three locations, two in Detroit and one in Grand Rapids. They're a great brand. It's great beer. And I'm really excited to have brought that interview to you. If there are other guests or other breweries that you think would be interested in having us come and talk to them and tell their story and what it means for them to be participating in that marketplace, please let us know. Please share this around and have people subscribe and listen so that we can continue to bring high-quality guests to you just like this one. Until next time, this is Roger signing out.